are staying warm this morning, although I will take the sun and the cold over rain. <laughs> Come on in and find your seat. Make yourself at home. We are glad you're here. I'm glad you're here to worship the Lord with us this morning. I want to just um, put you at ease. You are at home because you are with brothers and sisters of Christ, so you're with family, whether this is the usual home that you um, discover and worship the Lord in or not, but we are glad that you're here with us this morning. I just wanted to let you know about a couple different things uh, coming up in the life of Faith Church, opportunities for you to plug in um, to the body, to plug into what, what the Lord is doing here on the earth um, as it is in heaven. Um, one of these things is the Pregnancy Resource Center baby bottle campaign. Um, this is something they do uh, once or twice a year, every year, and it's a really beautiful, simple way to make a huge impact um, for the kingdom of God right here in our community, in the city of Statesville. So for those that aren't familiar, the Pregnancy Resource Center serves um, women who are facing uh, unplanned pregnancies, and um, their focus is to help them and equip them to choose life. But the beautiful thing about the Pregnancy Resource Center is that their, um, their mission and their services go way beyond that. So um, they provide free ultrasounds um, to women who are not sure what, they, what their plans are um, for their unborn child. The Pregnancy Resource Center provides Christ-centered counseling. They provide equipping classes to parents who, if, if one of the reasons um, they're uh, considering ending the life of their baby is because they don't feel equipped. They don't have what they need. They don't know, they don't have the stuff they need. They don't have the knowledge they need. Well, the Pregnancy Resource Center equips them with the things, all the stuff, as well as the uh, education and the support to continue to be um, a positive parent for that child. And most importantly, they also provide um, opportunities for Bible study uh, to learn the word um, together for these um, men and women that, that come to them. They also provide post-abortion counseling, so for women who have already made that choice and are struggling to be restored and to feel that restoration with Christ, they provide that. They provide um, preventative work, so they're in the schools. You guys, they're in so many high schools and middle schools in Iredell County, public schools providing Christ-centered mentorship for young women to understand their identity in Christ, to choose life for themselves and their future families. So this is a ministry that Faith Church is passionate about supporting and partnering with for the kingdom, and you have an opportunity to do that Next week, starting next week, we'll have bottles, empty bottles um, that you can take home and just start putting your change in these bottles. And then um, in a few weeks, we'll collect those bottles, which are hopefully then full of your spare change. And it is amazing the impact that makes. I don't have numbers for you this week. I'll try to get them next week. But um, it's, it's incredible the amount of change that comes in and that affects change for the kingdom. So I'll give you a heads up about that. Start collecting your change. Now, um, secondly, on January 28th, I believe, we have our Refresh Worship Night. Refresh Worship Night. This is, um, I just want to invite you to refresh. Uh, it's an evening of worship and ministry right here in the worship center. It's really going, it's not going to be a church service like this, but it is going to be a time where we as the body gather together to pursue the Holy Spirit. So there's not 
always going to be a set, okay, we're going to do worship, and then we're going to do announcements, and then we're going to hear the word, and then we're going to pray. And We come to refresh, right, to abide in the presence of the Lord. God says that in his presence there is fullness of joy. And so we will come to refresh, be refreshed by the presence of the Lord and to bless him. And so we will just um, seek the Holy Spirit in that and, and move as he moves. Um, the baptismal will be open for um, baptisms as well as immersions. Um, some of you are familiar with uh, uh, the events that we did where the baptisms, baptismal was open and um, different people encountered the Lord in the water in really unique ways. So that will be open. Um, and we will be just pursuing the gifts of the Holy Spirit, however it is that he wants to minister those each evening. So each of these will be different. Our first one is January 28th. The next one is in March, um, but there is a flyer on the back connect wall um, for you to put on your refrigerator, but more importantly, for you to hand to someone else that needs to be refreshed in the Lord. So please go ahead and grab that. All right, if you guys would stand with me as we turn our, um, our hearts and our affections and our eyes and and even our bodies, Lord, to the Lord in prayer. God, I pray that you would ready our hearts this morning. I pray that you would ready our hearts to, to do two things, God. To receive from you the exact pinpointed thing that we need from your spirit this morning. To receive you with open hands. To receive you with a yieldedness that perhaps is unfamiliar. And God, I ask that you would ready our hearts to exalt you, to worship you, to acknowledge you in a way that you are worthy of, Lord. Ready our hearts to do that right now in this moment, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, as you testify to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in this place, pray that you would be magnified, God. that you would ready us and that you would let us experience the fullness of joy in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord wants our attention this morning. Will we give him our undivided attention? Let's just magnify him. How great is the Lord? Yes. He is greatly to be praised. How great is our God, sing with me, how great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Let's just worship His greatness, worship His greatness and throne Him. Is that? 
you. He wants our attention. Let's turn it to him. Let's give it to him. Holy Spirit, come.
So how many of you uh, were in the wake of flooding this week? Um, I want you to be very careful what you sing because what you say and declare with your mouth is very powerful. And so I know that there's, as I choose songs, that, that literally you take trust in, in song choices because what you're declaring is what you mean. And when you tell the Lord to come in like a flood, you mean, Lord, I'm ready to be destroyed. I'm ready to be overtaken. I'm ready to be swept away and broken down so that you can rebuild me. When you ask the Lord to come like a fire, you better be ready because fire is all consuming. It purifies, it cleanses. But right now I pray, Father, that your fire will just fill us with passion, passion to worship you.
Surrender. And this is my own. 
our sacrifice is so small compared to the sacrifice of Christ. He was sacrificed all the way to death, not close to death, but all the way to death. We're just living sacrifices who can lay ourselves on the altar right now and then climb off when we leave the church building. Let's stand in awe of our Savior, the one who gave it all. So I'll stand with arms high and Can you get him up there? In awe of the one who That, that we're not to be conformed to the things that we see around us, but you transform us, you renew us. You show us what your good and perfect will is. Lord, let your good and perfect will continue to be done in our hearts this morning, in our actions, in, our, in what we say and what we do. Lord, let your holiness sit on us like a glove sits on a hand. 
completely covered but still able to move and act and work. And let your word speak deep into our spirits this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. Before I jump into my message, I have two things that I want to let you know before we go uh, on into our focus for this year. The first thing is that if you are a member, you've taken the membership class, you've signed the membership covenant, uh, you've done all of that. If you are a member at Faith Church on January 28th, which is in two weeks after church, we're going to have a members meeting. Uh, the goal is because we have refresh worship that night, we have Sockham, the goal is to keep it to a half an hour. Um, and so uh, we'll, we'll meet, we'll uh, have our time together, we'll give a 10 minute break or so and then we'll have a members meeting for about 30 minutes. Um, we'll cover um, some things that if you're not a member, you'll hear about it, but there will also be a couple things that if you aren't a member, um, you're, you probably won't hear about it and, it's, uh, and that's how it's going to work. <laughs> so January 28th after church. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to let you know is that me and Amy uh, sat down together a couple weeks ago and we were talking about uh, worship gatherings for 2024. And I just want you guys to know that there will be times where uh, we're just going to do the order of service differently. Uh, there will just be, uh, it's going to go, uh, we're not going to plan it out way ahead of time. I write my messages out a few weeks, or uh, I don't write them out, but I write an outline out a, a few weeks, and uh, we'll look at them as we go and say, okay, well, I think that maybe, uh, maybe we're going to do worship as a response rather at, than a preparation. Um, so uh, you may walk in and I'll already be preaching, um, and you'll be like, hey, I'm only 10 minutes late. What's going on? Um, and then a lot of times as we, uh, when we do um, have worship as a response, what we will do is we will have uh, communion up front. Um, so you'll want to be here on time. Uh, and the communion will just be a way to, uh, I know a lot of us, we come in here hurried. And I'll speak to that in just a minute. But uh, communion will be a way to slow us down and focus us before we uh, go on to the word. So just those two things, members meetings, and then if things are a little bit different on every now and then on a Sunday, um, know that it's uh, a plan. We've been thinking about it and praying about it, and that's just where we see it going. Um, this morning, now we're going to get into our focus of 2024. Um, I don't think that's the right PowerPoint. Uh, can you make sure that, uh, let me check really quick. Uh, no, it just has, uh, no, that's the wrong PowerPoint. Uh, can we see if we have another one in there? And if you don't, then we have problems. Uh, <laughs> that are my fault. Um, it sh the title should be Focus 2024 because that's what we're going to be talking about. If you weren't here last week, uh, when I went over uh, new vision statements and mission statements, I am almost positive I put it in there. But it's that PowerPoint. Huh. All right. Andy, come here. I want to give you a couple of instructions really quick. 
We'll see if we can get it. If not, there's a few note packets left in the back, and, uh, and you can check it out. You know what? Something really funky happened. I'm afraid that, that it's just going to be this because as, as I was saving things this morning, something really weird happened. I was like, oh, I don't, that's weird. And then I went and checked it and I thought it was okay. But okay, Focus 2024. If you weren't here last week, go back to listen for the vision and the mission statements that we have um, that, that I taught on last week. The, uh, the vision, Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Um, and, and, and what we uh, want to focus on is that a vision statement is the long-term uh, inspirational goal if everything went the way that we prayed. If everything went the way that we wanted it to, the vision would happen. And our vision is to see a world where the kingdom of God is advanced through the love of Jesus and the power of the Spirit. And so we talked about the triune nature of the vision statement. We talked about um, the kingdom of God. We talked about the love of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. So the vision statement is a world where the kingdom of God is advanced through the love of Jesus and the power of the Spirit. And then the mission statement comes and it answers the question, how do we see our vision accomplished? If we want to see the vision accomplished, what practical steps do we take to to see that come to fruition? And our mission statement is to grow as following, we are growing followers of Jesus that know, experience, and partner with God. Growing followers of Jesus that know, experience, and partner with God. And we talked about what it means to know God. It's not a head knowledge, but it's a deep understanding. It's a deep union and communion with God. In other words, um, in other words uh, it, it goes beyond just learning some facts. And then we want to have places where we experience God, where it's not just uh, 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 this knowledge goes beyond that, and part of knowing him is experiencing him. And then we want to partner with God. And then I talked about how uh, so much partnership with God is just boiled down to, hey, share your faith, share your faith. But we here at Faith Church believe that partnering God goes much broader and deeper than just sharing your faith, though that's not a bad thing. And so now we have our focus uh, 2024. This is just our year-long theme that will be at the center of teaching, fellowship, and events. In other words, if you want to say, how are we pursuing God here at Faith Church? How, what's the focus of our mission that fuels our vision? What is that for 2024? And this year, the focus is a year of passionately pursuing purity. I went all peas there. That's just how God gave it to me. I'll tell the story in a second. Passionately pursuing purity. And I'm going to read in Psalm 24 and 1 Peter chapter 1. So if you want to turn to Psalm 24, 
If you want to keep your finger there and turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, we have, uh, we have this, this sense and this uh, directive in Scripture, and we see what does it mean to pursue purity. So I'm going to read all of Psalm 24, and here's what it says. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And the world, the world, uh, let me start over. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob, Salah. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your head, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Salah. And if you want to read with me in 1 Peter, I'm just going to read uh, chapter 1, verses 14 through 16. And they say this. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you shall be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. It's the word of the Lord. Amen. Uh, we, were, um, we were at pre-service prayer, and I want to... Uh, I haven't plugged it in a while, but I want to plug pre-service prayer. If you come in here uh, consistently on Sundays and your mind feels rushed and hurried and it takes you two songs before you start to engage things, uh, I want to invite you to come at 920. It slows us down. It focuses us on, uh, on God and what he wants to do. And we, we seek out Jesus in that time. So uh, we were at uh, pre-service prayer, and um, I go through different phases in prayer. Sometimes I'll ask God, where are you at in the room? And I'll get a sense of where he's at in the room. Yes, I know he's everywhere in the room, but there are places where he might be more in the room. That doesn't make sense. It will at some point for you. Uh, and, and, there were, and now there was a time where I was saying, God, where, where do you want me to pray? Like, I'm not, I'm not just going to sit in my seat. You might have me do laps. You might have me go to the back. You might have me come to the front. Um, and I was just walking, and I said, God, where do you want me to pray? And I usually kind of walk with my head down. I'm in the back, and I heard him say, pray by the baptismal. And I was like, okay, uh, that's fine. We weren't having baptisms or anything. Uh, this was, and just for time reference, I think this was in like September maybe October, uh, late September, early October, and I'm there, and I come up, and Pam's, Pam Moore's up here praying, and I just come, and I just sit down uh, right here back to the, um, back to the baptismal, um, like I didn't climb in it or didn't do anything weird like that, but uh, I'm just there, 
and I start to pray. And a lot of times when I start to pray, um, I just get the same phrase over and over again, right? I think sometimes we get caught in this trap where our, our, um, our prayers need to be this uh, eloquent, ornate, 20-minute long speech to God, right? And if we're really holy, we'll use, the, we'll use these and thous and you mayest doest this upon me, right? Sometimes I just repeat words and verses and um, I'm sitting back there and I just keep saying, and, I, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And it's out of Matthew 3.11 where John the Baptist says, uh, I will baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So I thought, Holy Spirit, so I'm sitting there, I'm praying, he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, baptize you with the Holy Spirit with fire. So I say, God, okay, what does that, what does that mean for what you're doing right now? And, and I believe that I heard him said, let's see if uh, Andy solved all of our problems. Yay, Andy. All right. There we go. All right, let's catch up. Uh, there we go. Uh, we did all of that. All right, there we are. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, um, I'm just praying this over and over. I say, God, what, is, what does this mean for us right now? And I really got the sense that he said, look, I've baptized you with the Holy Spirit. You have seen the power, not just me, right? Not me singularly. Uh, it, it was a church word. I've baptized you with the Holy Spirit. And he really has if we look back. Like, at this point, if you haven't had an encounter with God, I will say for 90% of people, there's 10% of people where this doesn't apply, but for 90% of people, if you haven't had an experience with God, it's because you haven't wanted one. Right? There are, there are places and there are times where there is, uh, I talked about it a little bit last week, where there are guaranteed points of encounter with God. And so we have, we have set up um, uh, gatherings and, and programs and uh, ministries to where we want people to radically experience God. And so uh, when, we're, when we're looking at this, this is what he's blessed us with and this is what he's given us. And he said, but then I think he kept on and he said, but now you have to be baptized by fire. I said, I don't really like the sound of that. Can you see, fire is different things in the Bible, but one thing that it is consistently, it is consistently portrayed as an act of refinement. Can I get control of my PowerPoint, please? See, pursuing God is seeking the fiery refinement. Pursuing purity is seeking the fiery refinement of God. And Amy said, be careful what you wish for and what you say, not wish for, she didn't say it that way. Be careful what you say and what you pray. Pursuing purity is seeking the fiery refinement of God. 
But see, uh, this doesn't need to be a fearful thing. It might sound fearful, right? And, and there, are, there are lots of places in the Bible where God is a fire, right? He's in the fire, as he calls Moses from the burning bush. The fire goes to consume Shadrach, Meshach, and Benel. God's not the fire, but God's with them in the fire, Hebrews 13 says, or Hebrews 12, excuse me, says uh, that our God is a consuming fire. But then you have these pictures in Scripture where God wants to refi- refine us as pure gold in the fire. That He wants to burn all the stuff that isn't uh, from Him, so that we have pure gold left. And I went on a, I went on a, a, a YouTube. Uh, rabbit hole for about a half hour looking at gold refining, uh, how they refine gold. And it's heat and it's burning, but everything's burned up. And then they're bringing out these little bricks and they're saying, this is the pure gold. That's what God does. Before we, uh, but as we jump into this, I want to make sure that we don't get caught up for mistaken purity. I went, uh, when I was a, a, a teenager, a young teenager, I was probably 12, 13 range, I went to uh, Lake Tahoe with one of my uncles. I've been to a lot of lakes in uh, North Carolina. I've been to a lot of lakes in California. Nothing holds a candle to Lake Tahoe. Like, it is beautiful. I remember, I, I, I used to go to this little mud pit of a lake when I was growing up, it was a man-made lake. And like you could, I could see the shore on the other side. And I remember standing in front of Lake Tahoe and it's, it's this crystal clear water and I'm looking out and I can't see the other side. And I'm like, is this an ocean? I was very, I, I, like I knew it wasn't, but it was so immense and massive. And you do hikes around there and there's streams going and these streams look like pure water. And, and we were camping there and was my uncle, and there was probably like eight or nine of cousins on uh, my mom's side. Uh, it was my mom's brother, so it was that side of the family. And then there was a whole bunch of cousins on from his wife's side of the family that I didn't really know, but they were all there. And one of these uh, little boys uh, on there, he had to be about four or five years old, um, he, mis- he made a mistake. He thought that the stream water was as pure as it looked, and it wasn't. But he thought it was, so he drank it. And I remember they took him away from the camp a little bit, and I walked by, and I saw the effects of what was happening because he drank the stream water, and that is imprinted in my mind even 30 years later. And it's not pretty. I need some inner healing to erase that memory. Right? See, it looks like it's purity, but it's, it's poisonous. It looks like it's something that you should take in, but it's, it's just going to cause a deep hurt for you. And this is the same way with mistaken purity that we find in the church, right? The first mistake in purity is legalism, where purity means that you follow all the rules without experiencing the love of Jesus, And so what you do as you do that, and you just keep, I'm just going to keep following the rules, I'm just going to keep following the rules, but you have no experience of God, you have no sense of his deep love and longing and affection for you, 
then all you do is you become self-righteous, right? You might become this person who says, well, that sin isn't my sin, and so um, I'm a lot better than that person because I follow these rules. Like, don't talk to me about these rules, but I follow these rules, and so I'm better. Or you'll just get burnt out. God, am I doing enough? Am I doing enough? God, did I sin today? What did I do? God, I, I want to follow all your rules. And so that, that, that's the type of person that's going to try to find every little thing in the Bible and follow it so clearly. And I'm not talking about obedience. I'm talking about fear-based. Uh, I have to do this or you're going to pour your wrath out on me type thinking. And that is tiring. That's why you have Christians everywhere who just kind of come to church and they just kind of sit there and like, is this what it is? I'm just supposed to follow some rules? I'm not supposed to know anything more than that if I'm good or bad. And God becomes the Santa Claus with the good list and the bad list and you're praying that you don't end up on the bad list. Or it just becomes transactional. God, I do this and I follow this and I do that, so you have to do this for me. See, the the prosperity gospel is a form of legalism because the prosperity gospel says, God, if if I do and say all the right things, if I I say the right incantations, if I say the right prayers, then you have to move, right? And you have to give me the new car. You have to give me my healing. You have to give me these things. So that's just as much legalism as it is to say, uh, or that's just as much transactional as it is to say, God, if I do this, don't hurt me. God, if I do this, make everything be okay for me. And then when it becomes transactional, if God doesn't show up the way that we want him to show up, then all of a sudden we sit there and we're like, well, he must have never loved me. That's legalism at its finest. The other ways, and then on the flip side of legalism is the easy, easy believism, which is I believe in God and I'm pure, which if you follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he has declared you pure and righteous. That is in the Bible. That is, we have become the righteousness of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says. But then easy believism then goes and says, so I can do whatever I want. I believe in God, I'm pure, so I, I can just, I can go out and sin. I can go out and, 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 and do all the things that he tells me not to do because I'm already saved. And if that's the mentality, then the question is, is are you though? Are you really saved? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The other ways that purity gets mistaken is uh, just becoming too narrow in a focus. Purity only becomes about one or two things, right? So um, uh, in, in a lot of uh, Bible Belt churches, drinking is the, is the standard of purity. Right? Don't drink. Don't even go near alcohol. Don't do any of it. That's what purity is. And so they condemn people who drink beer while they take all their meds, Right? Or, or we have uh, sexual purity and relationships in that way, and it becomes all about that, right? And, and uh, purity rings aren't a bad thing. I was actually just talking to somebody who told me how, how, uh, 
how wonderful their purity ring was in their relationship with God. So I'm not against that, but I'm against the people wearing purity rings who are then uh, drinking all the alcohol, right? Right, so it narrows in focus, and, it's, and for us, it's safer to narrow it down. It's safer because I can follow one or two rules. I'm pretty good at it, right? But, but uh, if we're talking uh, just the uh, purity on the sexual side, it's like, yeah, I can, I can not do that, uh, but don't talk about what I look at on my computer, or I can, I can follow you, God, with no alcohol, but man, I'm gonna, I need my caffeine every day, right? So we don't want to focus it. Real purity is a holistic view of the person. It's purity of heart, of mind, and of actions. So when we, when we think about it, we're not just thinking about, I do the right things, Right, that's legalism, and it's not just, hey, I, I, uh, oh no, uh, legal, yeah, legal. I believe the right things, which is easily uh, easy believism, or hey, I know the right things, and so I know that these things are pure. But uh, the Bible, so much more, so much more than us, it takes a, a holistic view, and I'm not talking holistic hippie, holistic shops in Boone. Right, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about holistic being the whole person, okay? Or Asheville, one of, choose, choose your poison. <laughs> holistic just means the whole person, our mind, our spirits, our bodies, all of it, right? In the Old Testament, this is what we find. They have a much better view in the Old Testament of the holistic view of man, this is, this is like uh, the concept of, uh, of shalom, right? Shalom is this whole uh, holistic view of peace, peace in everything, peace with God, peace with man, peace with the land, peace with all of it, right? It's this view of everything together, and we just tend to narrow it all the time. And so Jesus then comes. And he changes the methods to purity, but not the importance of purity. So I said that, that we're going to, uh, that the teaching is going to be uh, largely focused on purity. And so um, I've gone to a lot of church growth conferences uh, in my years of ministry. Um, I've been to, I've heard all the, the uh, all the strategies and all the, the systems, and you can just grow a church, and um, they work, but I hesitate to say you're growing the kingdom, but uh, one thing that I never heard there was, hey, do a sermon series through the book of Leviticus. <laughs> never heard that once. It was like, hey, tell people to have a better marriage, and hey, do this. So starting next week, we're going to go through the book of Leviticus. Because, because Leviticus, Leviticus is the, the book that describes the holy and the profane. Describes what is acceptable to God and what's not acceptable to God. And so we're going to look at that. And yes, we're going to see what God does 
through the people of Israel in Leviticus, but also looking, okay, but now what does Jesus do and what does Jesus say and how does it correlate to that? Because Jesus changes the methods to purity, but not the importance. See, Jesus was a pure, he was the pure Jesus. In 1 John chapter 3, it says this, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what will be has not yet appeared. That's already, but not yet, okay? We are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he, Jesus, appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. John's saying, look, if you put your hope in Jesus, you will continue to purify yourself. Why? Because you will be continued to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And the more that you approach him and pursue him, the more that this just kind of naturally happens. It rarely happens when we set out to say, okay, I'm going to follow all of these rules and then I'm going to magically be like Jesus. That that's, that's not what's happening here. What's happening here is that when we hope in him, when our pursuit is him, then this happens naturally. It's a byproduct of it. And so he says, so if you hope in him, you purify himself as he is pure, there, are, there were never any divisions in Jesus' heart. No double motives, no secret intentions. How many of you can say things like that about your life on a daily basis? Look, if I'm doing a lot of chores around the house, there's probably some secret intentions. There's probably some double motivations, right? And stop thinking like that, please. In Jesus, there is complete inner unity because of his complete unity with the Father. He is pure. He is the definition of pure. If you wanna know what purity is, look to Jesus. No divisions in his hearts, no double motives, no secret intentions, complete inner unity with the Father. Complete unity with the Father. That's the purity that we're pursuing. And yes, we'll talk about how it's about that, that it leads to changed actions and changed conduct. We'll talk about that in a second. But it starts with this, with this, uh, this pursuit of the Father to be completely united with him. The writer of Hebrews goes on and he says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So it goes from this is who Jesus is. He is the pure Jesus. Why? Because he was without sin. Even though he went through the type of stuff that you go through, he's been tempted, he's gone through it, yet he did not sin. And then John continues to say uh, in 1 John, right, it's the uh, it's the, the next, in the next couple verses from what I read, he says, you know that he appeared in order to take away sins and in him there is no sin. So it leads from complete unity with the Father to then his conduct. There was no 
sin. See, the purity of Jesus extended beyond just his motivations, but went to sinless living. Because all of us have great intentions about not sinning. I hope you wake up with those every day. I hope that hope hope springs eternal and you wake up and you're like, today's the day. All right, not going to sin. Mom, 20 minutes in? Dad, can you? No. Ah. All right, we'll start again tomorrow. Right? I hope we have those because uh, a lot of people have these great motivations to not sin and to do the right thing, but Jesus actually lived it out. Jesus actually took those motivations into sinless living. And so we look at him. If you are still in Psalm 24, it highlights the importance of purity. It says that the Lord made everything. It's all his. Everything. It's his. And then in verses three and four, the psalmist asks a question. David asks, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Hills were meeting places with gods. And Yahweh, as the God above all gods, there was meeting places. So he's symbolically saying, who's going to go to meet with God? Who's going to go to meet with the Lord? Who gets to stand in the holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift his soul, does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. This, the holy place of God, is reserved for those who are pure. The holy place of God. You want to ascend the mountain of the Lord? Have pure hands, or have a pure heart and clean hands. Well, how do I do that? Do I wash for 20 seconds under the hot water? How long is 20 seconds? Say the ABCs. You guys remember when we all went through that? Nobody washes their hands like that anymore. How do we have clean hands? How do we have a pure heart? Through the one who is perfectly pure. Jesus. To the one who who died for us, taking our sins, taking all the impurities from us with his blood. Though your sins are like scarlet, he washes you white as snow. And so by, by that way, through the curtain of his flesh, Hebrew says, we can now enter that holy place with him. And that is 100% gospel truth. But there's also a sense that when we then fall into places of sins and addictions, that that place is still accessible for us. But all of a sudden, uh, not on any, not from God's part, but from our side, it just seems a little bit harder to get into. We start to, instead of knowing that, that we can now enter through the blood of Jesus, we start to look at ourselves and say, well, I want to enter, but I have this. 
I want to enter, but I have this. And God's still there. And he's like, do you have Jesus? You can still come in then. And so our purity, right, or our, our sin, our lack of purity or our sin, right, doesn't, doesn't have God shut us off from a place of coming to him still or else we would have no hope. But it hurts us. It it, it swallows us up. It takes our focus off of God and puts focus on sin. How many times have you wanted to pray and all you do is repent for sin? Look, that, that's good, but you, all you do is repent for sin for five minutes and then you never look at the glory, the beauty, and the forgiveness of God. And so you leave your prayer time and you're just like, oh, that was exhausting because it is. Here's what Jesus says. He says, blessed are the pure in heart. Why? Because they will see God. Who ascends the mountain of the Lord? Who gets to be in his presence? Who gets to see him? The pure in heart. The pure in heart. David continues to go on in Psalm 25, and he basically says, look, when the people of God live pure lives, God blesses them. Don't be afraid of that. I think we, we kind of uh, are reactionary against the, the God will bless me Right, if I, if I walk in accordance with him, but this is all over scripture. Now, uh, we get scared because, well, if we don't walk in, is he gonna send wrath? Is he not gonna bless me? Uh, this is what David says. He says, look, and God blesses those in Psalm 24, five. It says, he, will, who? Uh, he who has a clean hands and a pure heart, he will receive blessings from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation who seeks him, who seeks the face of the God of Jacob. Seek him and you will be blessed. Our problem comes when we think it's all material blessings, right? Or we think it's like, okay, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna get a new car and if that worked, man, we'd all be driving something different, right? And then he says that, and then he talks. He speaks to the gates of the city, and he, he speaks to, uh, to the people to lift up their heads because when the people of God live pure lives, God comes to dwell with them. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. This is what we want. Lift up your heads, oh, old wooden doors out there. Oh, be lifted up, swinging doors, and let the king of glory come in. Here's what David's saying in the psalm. If you want the presence, we need the purity. If you want the presence, we need the purity. And so what we find here is we find David telling us, telling, well, he wasn't telling us, he was telling the Israelites, he was telling people, and we get to look in on it, that look, you can ascend the hill of the Lord. You can do it. And when you do, God will meet with you. He'll come into your gates, right? He'll come in, and the king of glory 
will dwell in. And Peter picks up this thought of purity. And he, sa- uh, uh, he says in 1 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to expand from what I read earlier. It says, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Pop quiz, where is that quoted from? Leviticus. Oh, you paid attention, kind of. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were transformed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Peter opens this passage in a a way that didn't catch my attention until this morning, actually. Purity is a precursor to action. He says, prepare your minds for action. You're going to go into battle. Peter talks about, uh, about the roaring lion in his book that he writes here in his letter. But he says, prepare your mind for action. Get ready because you're going to need to live something out. You're going to need to do something and you are going to have to step into action. Prepare yourself for that. That is coming. And how does he do it? He says, be sober-minded and set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, then don't be conformed, Peter ties our holiness to the way that we conduct ourselves. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Don't don't do the same things that you did before you knew God. Don't, Don't live the same way you did. You were ignorant. Ignorance like a, 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 it's a very cutting uh, insult. Like if you call someone ignorant, like that, I think that just, that's worse than calling somebody stupid, even though they kind of mean the same thing. It's a little bit different, but they kind of mean the same thing. And Peter's just here like, hey, you guys were ignorant. You, you guys, you didn't know what you were doing. And he says, don't be conformed to your former passion. So he's writing to Christians who say, look, you will have the temptation to do all the stuff you did before you knew Jesus. You will still have to fight those same battles. But he who called you is holy. So you be holy in all of your conduct. So he's saying live holy lives. See, our holiness is a mirror, is to mirror the holiness of God. You shall be holy for I am holy. That was what God said 
to his people as they set up, as his presence entered the temple and he set up the laws and the sacrifices and the regulations. He's saying, you be holy because I'm holy. And they had to come with goats and bulls and we'll go, we'll go through some of that. But why? It's for their holiness. It's for their righteousness, purity, all these things tied up in this word holiness. And we're supposed to mirror God in the way that we act. And that can seem overwhelming. Because I know, if you're like me, I know you might be sitting there thinking, well, I'm just not very holy. I, I know the things that I do. I know the things that I think. I know the things that I say. I'm just not very holy. How could I ever live up to this? You see, but Peter ties it back. He's careful to connect our pursuit of holiness to the gospel and not to our own strength, not to our own capabilities, not to what we can come up with. But he says, you be holy knowing. Like he says, you know. He says, God's gonna judge and you know that, but you were ransomed. You were ransomed from the feudal ways you inherited from your forefathers. All the things that you were taught, he's he's telling them, he's talking a lot about idols here, but it's the same concept. All the things that we lived in, all the things that we've done, all the things that we've seen from the people around us, all of those things, they're perishable, they fall away, and that's not what ransomed us. What ransomed us from the grip in the hand of the enemy was the precious blood of Christ. Like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So when you get into those mind, that mindset of I am not holy enough, I cannot do enough, I cannot be enough, our mind is then supposed to be drawn back. No, but I've been ransomed by the blood of Jesus and because he is pure, because he is holy, because he was a lamb without blemish or spot, that can be my reality. That in fact is your identity. that the precious, precious blood of Christ. Peter wrote before this passage, right? If you are, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and he's just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This is why our confession of sin is so important because it cleanses us. We sit here and if we're passionately pursuing purity, doing so in the right ways, we have to ask ourselves these questions. And this is what I'm ending with this morning. The first question is, will you allow yourself to be refined by God? Because I know there's people here who just think, no, I don't want that. I'm okay living how I, how I live. I'm okay doing what I do. I'm, I'm, I don't need to be refined. And so I want you, if you're that, I want you to ask yourself, do I have just enough knowledge of Jesus to be deceived? 
Do I, have, do I know just enough that the enemy can, can, can trick me here? And then some of us are like, oh, I really, really want that, God, but can you do it without fire? <laughs> I mean, can you find a way to do it with ice cream? I don't know how that would work, but it'd have to be vanilla because it's white. <laughs> would you allow yourself, like, I, uh, the, I, uh, I, get, I get like this. Yes, God, I want more. Okay, it's going to cost you. Ah, okay, not as much as I thought I wanted, but still just a little bit. Will you allow yourself to be refined by God? Because that's, that's the pursuit, right? Passionately pursuing is, uh, is going after the refining fire of God. If you begin this holistic if you begin to pursue this holistic purity in your life, does your conduct need to change? And I soften that a little bit because the question really should be, where does your conduct need to change? <laughs> For being honest, right? Because nobody's going to be like, oh, nowhere. I'm pretty good. I got it all. I got, I got it locked down. But where does your conduct need to change? But remember, when you're saying this conduct, what I'm doing, my actions need to change, we don't just go here and start trying to change the action. We go to God and we say, I need your strength so I can change this action. I need your Holy Spirit to lead and to guide me, to stop me from getting into situations like this sometimes. I mean, I, I sit with people all the time and they tell me what they, they, uh, they're confessing some sin. We're searching for some freedom. And I was like, okay, did God tell you not to do that? Well, yeah, but I kind of just ignored it. Well, that's why you're sitting in front of me right now, right? And, and it would be the same for me. Did God tell you not to do that? Well, yeah. Why'd you do it? I don't know. <laughs> Seemed good. So where does your conduct need to change? But you change it by pursuing Jesus, right? Because you have been ransomed by the precious blood of Christ, who was a pure and spotless lamb. We go to him. If you just go here first, you're going to fall into legalism, and it will burn you out. But you go to Jesus. And then finally, if Peter says, prepare your minds for action, something's coming, prepare your minds, what could God be preparing for you as you begin to pursue purity? What have you been longing for? What have you been hoping for? What have you been, what have you been praying for years about? I'm not saying you're going to get it because just because we pursue purity doesn't mean he has to do what we want. But I'm saying he's, if we, if we understand, look, if we understand that we need to take action in some level in our lives, right? How does pursuing purity fit into that? What might God be preparing you for? 
and look sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, what he's preparing you for is that thing that you've wanted for so long. And you've just been trying to go and get it every other way but through him. You've wanted, you, you, you've gone the world's way, you've gone culture's way, you've gone religion's way, you've gone what some, the way that some pastor has told you. You've never gone the right way. So for some of you, it might be the very thing that you've been longing for. And then for others, it might be the complete opposite of what you wanted but it will be better than what you could have asked for. Because a good father, when you ask him for a fish, does not give you a stone. No, when he asks for bread, he doesn't give you a stone. When you ask for a fish, he doesn't give you a scorpion. You being good fathers know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does the father want to give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Right? He might just give you something completely and totally different. And you're going to say, God, I asked for bread, but you're giving me a stone. And then you're going to actually bite into it. And you're be like, no, it's actually bread. And it's really good. Stand with me. Keep this slide up just for a second. I think we're going to pray through it somehow. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Speak. So here's what we're going to do. I just want you to close your eyes. And it, you don't have to do this. Nobody's going to be looking to try to catch somebody who's not, who's not participating in the exercise. first question is, will you allow yourself to be refined by God? If that's you, then I just want you to say out loud, because we do all spiritual prayers out loud. Say, God, I give you permission to refine me.
Second question is, if you begin to pursue this holistic purity in your life, where does your conduct need to change? You can do this one under your breath so your neighbor doesn't hear. But right now, you can just confess to him where your conduct needs to change. Doesn't have to, you don't have to bring your whole laundry list. Just say the, the one or two things that you know are holding you back. And so just confess that to him. Now here's where you get a chance to hear from him. I had never... My uh, my old pastor came to visit, I don't know, a month ago or so. He was here and we were having lunch afterwards and he said something. He said, I forgot till I walked in. He says, but uh, he said, I forgot I was going to the place where God speaks. I hope you realize that, that God speaks to you. Not just to me, not just to the super holy people, but he wants to speak to you. And so I want you to, I want you to ask and then listen at this point. When I, when I give the prompt, I want you to ask God, what might you be preparing me for? And then just listen. So go ahead and ask that out loud now. See if what you think you heard from God bears witness in your heart. If you're confused by it, you can ask a friend who knows you. And maybe if it felt like it was a little too big for you, it was exactly what God wanted you to hear. Father, I thank you for your voice. I thank you for who you are. So God, when we read in the Psalms, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who can get to that holy place of communion with God? I pray that our spirits in us would leap out and say, I can because of Jesus. I can ascend with him. I can be with him. Because Jesus paved the way. Holy Spirit, help me be holy as God is holy. And draw my mind not to my performance, but to my pursuit of Jesus. 
as we leave, continue to speak. Continue to, to tell us in that, in that way of love that you do. Continue to tell us the, the path we're to walk. I pray that we would, we would walk in it. Like the prophet said, you know the way to walk, walk in it. God, I thank you. I thank you that we can even, we can even have conversations like this, that we can even have thoughts of pursuing you in purity because of Jesus. I thank you. So even as we leave, Lord, just embed in our spirits a pursuit of Jesus that leads to purity and not a pursuit of purity that leads to heartache. But Father, give us, give us the prompts to pursue you and who you are. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.